Oh, boy. What's that? Oh, good evening. <laughs> what, what page number was that? 93. You ever notice the, uh, I know we've talked about this before. Have you noticed, uh, here's one sure sign that the music of the day is not getting any better. You see the, the phrasing? You see the words? I mean, you know, our words today's modern hymn, uh, religious music is hallelujah, hallelujah, and how about some more hallelujah? Uh, come desire of nations, come now look, I understand, we're not going to get into a doctrinal fit here, but Jesus Christ is not by far the desire of anyone, any nations on the face of this earth. Fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent. I mean, who talks like that? That shows you your vocabulary has gone right down the proverbial toilet. And that shows you things aren't getting better and things are getting worse and things have got to get worse for us to get out of here. I'm trying to discourage you, encourage you at the same time. But uh, no better place to see that is in your music. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of a break tonight. We've been running the pace of about, uh, oh, 60, uh, 60 to 70 verses per night for the last <laughs> six nights. And I was looking at that, and I said, man, that is pedal to the metal. I'm not going to wear you out tonight. Take your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 56. You know, the Bible does say, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And make no mistake about it, uh, studying the Bible is work. I mean, do you see that? It's work. It's hard work. And Solomon said, much study is a weariness of the flesh. Uh, if you uh, have secular work and you have continuing education or things that you have to learn or endorsements that you have to get, it's just you have to study. It's hard work. And you know what? Studying the Bible shouldn't be any different. The great thing about studying the Bible is it never needs to be updated. Uh, you might take classes for work, and then in 10 years, you're using entirely new technology. Guess what? It's the same old book that you got right here that you can count on. Amen? But yet every time you go to it, you can get something new and something fresh. Isaiah chapter 56 tonight. Isaiah chapter 56 I just want to read uh, three verses here. Uh, now that you've all comfortable, I'll have you stand real quick here. Isaiah 56, 10, 11, and 12, we're going to read that. And what we're going to read is what the Lord's uh, talking about Israel's preachers and the pastors of that day. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of learning in here, I think, that you and I can gather. But I want you to see what the Lord says about his own preachers. He calls them watchmen. Bible says in verse 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Brother Chuck, why don't you ask the Lord's help in the preaching tonight. 
Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I want to, like I said, I want to take a break uh, from studying the Holy Spirit. We will get back into it. There is plenty to go. We're just about halfway through. Amen. And it's been a good study so far, and it's been a good chance to get into the book and turn the pages. But what you're looking at today is the state of Israel's pastors in the time that it was written. Amen. And they're in a real mess. Now, your Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture is profitable uh, for doctrine, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. So I believe what you and I are going to get tonight is some instruction and a little bit of reproof. Not reproof because you're wrong necessarily, but part of the job of uh, being a Christian, part of the job of being a child of God, is to learn what the Lord says about His own book and what the Lord says about preachers. And so we're going to preach a little bit about the, you want to title this, would be the Beware the 21st Century Watchman. Beware the 21st Century Watchman. And uh, someone might listen to this and they say, well, you're just going around straightening pictures. No, I think it's important because in our day and age that you and I live, you have to remember we're in Laodicea, amen? And whether there's 10 or 20 or 100 people here tonight, uh, a lot of us think we don't need anything. And I'll tell you what we need. We need the, we need the Word of God, amen? And I want to preach through this passage, and I want to give you exactly what the passage says. I want to draw some uh, conclusions, and I want to put some things together for you. But here in Isaiah chapter 56, the Lord, He's describing the state of Israel's religious leaders. And they're a real mess. So take your Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 3. We are going to do some turning, uh, but maybe not just as much as we have been lately. Uh, Israel's in a mess because of its leaders. Now, if you want a practical application, and let's start with your nation. If you want to know why your nation's in a mess, is because of its leaders. Amen? If you want to know why the Christian home is often a mess, it's okay to say that, right? It's because we don't men provide the leadership that we should. If you want to know why our churches are a mess, is because the pulpits are often cold, the pulpits are often preaching opinion and preference and whatever the fire they want to do and they're stuck in a rut so the people become beasts of food to the beasts of the field. Now look in Isaiah chapter 3 what the Lord says about this thing. It all hinges around leadership. And the Lord says through Isaiah here in Isaiah chapter 3, uh, look at verse 12. Uh, Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 12. Bible says this for my people, talking about the nation of Israel. Children are their oppressors. Ain't that something? If you don't believe that, go to Walmart and see how many children oppress their parents in Walmart. Amen? Children are their oppressors, uh, and women rule over them. Ain't that something? O my people, they which lead thee, cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy paths. The Lord standeth up to plead, and standeth to judge the people. So the problem with Israel is their leaders... Not only in the home, the breakdown of the home, the men are no good anymore, so the men won't lead. So what happens? Uh, well, preacher, you know, the woman, she just won't get in her place, and the women often have a hard time getting in their place because men have never been in the place they should have been to begin with. So if you know anything about a gal, a gal is naturally, by nature, somewhat insecure. And that's why it takes a good man to be by her side and to take good care of her, not only physically, not only spiritually, but emotionally as well. Because when that man starts going off the rails, that woman will sense what's going wrong, and she'll feel inclined 
to pick up where he stops doing what's right. And let me tell you what, God called a man to preach, no doubt about it. But you know what? In the nation of Israel, if you look back even in the book of Judges, when the men wouldn't do what they should do, you know what the Lord did? He got Deborah because Deborah was a good gal and loved Jehovah God. And Deborah was getting with it and God used Deborah and uh, had to communicate God's word to a spineless fella uh, named Barak. Now you may not like that, but that's how God works. God will use a man, but if there is no men, uh, then he'll use a woman. You say, well, that's chauvinist. No, that's a blessing. And women by nature are usually more sensitive spiritually. And uh, I, I always get in trouble what I say when it comes to women around here, but that's not, uh, that's not because I'm a chauvinist, because I believe what the Bible says. Now in the Bible, a watchman was supposed to do a handful of things. Will you turn with me a couple of pages before we settle back on our text? Look at uh, first, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 21. Now the job of a watchman was threefold. Threefold. Isaiah chapter 21. And I want to preach to you once we define what it is to beware of that 21st century watchman. And the 21st century watchmen are the pastors today. You say, well, that's crazy. You're preaching what? To beware of you? Absolutely. Amen? You better watch out. You better check what I say. I'm not just saying that because I need note filler. I mean, you need to take notes and you need to check me out. Now look at Isaiah chapter 21. Notice what the Bible says in 21 verse 6. This watchman, he was supposed to do some things. The Bible says in 21 6, For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. Now that might not seem much to you, but if you'll go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9, I've got to set this foundation before we kick this thing off. A watchman was supposed to declare what he saw. And we're not talking like Facebook and Fox News and all that garbage there. But you see, in the old days, the old time, at 1 Samuel chapter 9, you know what the preacher was called? The preacher was called a seer. S-double-E-R. Now that's interesting. Can I say this by way of practical application? If a man's going to be a preacher, if a man's going to be a pastor, he ought to be able to see some things from this book. And if you've got a preacher or you sit underneath the pastor and he can't see anything but the news and the headlines and what's on social media and political things, you better chuck him to the curb and get one that can preach the Bible. Amen? But that old preacher, he's supposed to be a seer. And that shows you in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9. That's the old time word for it. Bible says in 1 Samuel 9, 9, Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. Now the preachers of today, the they should be able to see something. And you're going to find in the text that they can't. In our text back in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 10, 11, and 12, you're going to see, and this is one of the points we'll preach in a minute here, that they can't see nothing. They can't see nothing. All they can see is their opinions. All they can see is their preferences. All they can see is the stinking rut that they're in. Now, this is important in the day and age we live in. Just because a guy has a King James Bible and he says he went to a certain school doesn't mean he can see squat. Amen. But notice this, he's supposed to declare what he seeth. Not only that, take your Bible, go to Ezekiel chapter 3. Remember that, he's supposed to declare what he seeth. He's supposed to be able to see something. God should be able to show that preacher something. Now here in Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17, notice this. 
Ezekiel chapter 3. I know we're bouncing around a little bit, but uh, it's just good. It's just good to do it. We've got to find out what the watchman's supposed to do. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 3, look at verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth. You see that? You see the second job of the watchman? He's supposed to hear the word from the mouth of God. You see it? He's supposed to be well acquainted with this book right here. And if a preacher ain't well acquainted with this book right here, I won't listen to him. I won't do it. I listened about three or four or five minutes, and I strained the other day, and I listened about 15 minutes of some fellow I went to school with. Man, I'm just done. Done with it. Why? They don't sit in front of this book. They don't read it. They don't study it. They don't love it. And let me tell you what, if a preacher don't fall in love with this book, how's he going to feed any? He won't be able to feed a dog, let alone a sheep. So he's supposed to hear the word. Uh, and he's supposed to hear the word. And finally, in that uh, verse right there, Notice at the end of verse 17, he says, And give them warning from me. So there's the threefold job of the watchman. The first thing he's supposed to declare what he seeth. He's supposed to hear the word from the mouth, uh, mouth of God, and then he's supposed to give the warning from the Lord. That's threefold job of a watchman. And the nation of Israel had problems with this leadership. It's watchmen, it's preachers. I suppose you could... Uh, say it like this, they're just shot. The preachers of Israel's day are shot in the text that we're in. And uh, what they are is out in left field window shop when they should uh, be practicing catching fly balls and working on their swings and the rest of their training. You realize to be a preacher, to be a pastor, someone who's going to preach the word of God, it requires continual, it just doesn't take four, four years. It's like, okay, you made the grade and now you can start the ministry. That has nothing to do with it. If you're going to be a preacher, if you're going to listen to a preacher, he's got to be continually in that book. It needs to be one with him, kind of like one of David's mighty men. I can't remember his name. He's down in the valley, and he got a hold of that sword, and he started hacking heads off and arms and limbs and legs. And all of a sudden, he started to spend so much time, that sword became one with his hand. And the Bible says the sword clave to his hand. That's how us preachers should be. You're going to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. You ought to be in that book constantly. But notice this thing, and although the passage is to Israel, you and I can get a lot of learning from this thing about the preachers of the day. The preachers of the day. One thing you have to be careful as a Christian is you're not deceived. The Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means. You've got to make sure that when you listen to someone preach, that he's preaching exactly what that book says. Now, we're not talking about, I didn't like the way he presented it. We're not talking about that at all. But you've got to make sure that fellow is telling you the truth. And the only way you're going to be able to tell the truth is that you know the truth well enough. All right, now notice about these uh, 21st century watchmen. We're going to apply it to today. And uh, just like Israel, you need to beware of the 21st century watchmen. I'll show you. Number one, here's why. In verse 10, Isaiah chapter 56, back to our text. The first reason is is because the 21st century watchman is blind as a bat flying in backwards. That Bible says in verse 10, his watchmen are blind. His watchmen are... Now this message is negative, but it should produce a positive result. Amen? I'm all for negativity if it brings about a, a positive result. And this should give you the right estimation of preachers. One fellow says, what, what is preaching? I don't really know what preaching is, but I've heard enough preaching to know what preaching ain't. 
I know that's not good English, amen? But I've heard enough preaching. I've heard enough people grabbing verses and grabbing a fit and then going here and you take this verse, I'm going to run over to this verse and I'm going to run over this verse. And you know, it's just, uh, one, one fellow said it like this, preachers, some preachers are like longhorn preachers. There's a point here and a point there and a whole lot of bull in between. That's a longhorn preacher, amen? One fellow said some preachers are like these circus jugglers uh, in the circus and they have one fellow stand against the wall and they have another guy with a bunch of knives. And he does backflips on this and he throws it and he hits it under the armpit here and he's got his hands out and he throws it between his fingers and he gets it right underneath his ear and right underneath his leg and man, he does everything in the world but he never hits you. You see that? Now we're not talking physically or with knives but you need a preacher that can get to you. You need a preacher that can get under your skin. You need a preacher that can move you and get you uncomfortable. Well, he's blind. Many times uh, that watchman is blind is because many times, let's just be honest, that many times the 21st century watchman, he might be unsaved himself. Now, not always, right? But sometimes. Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. So sometimes, let's face it, some preachers that claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they have a beautiful Bible and they have a, a, a growing congregation, they might just be blind as a bat flying in backwards because they're unsaved. Now, I'm not going to say they all are, but some of them are. All right, not only that, they're blind because they're unsaved. How about this? They're blind because they don't want to see. A lot of times, the 21st century watchman, if you take your Bible, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8, they're blind because they don't want to see. You ever stop and think of why you struggle with some of the things you struggle with? Could it be that it maybe it is just trouble, trial, and tribulation? Or could it be that the Lord has shown you once, twice, and three times, and you just don't want to see it, so the Lord just shuts the light off? Now, that's a difficult thing to process sometimes. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these all resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Now, some, some watchmen, they're just blind because they don't want to see. They don't want to see. How about this? Sometimes some of these watchmen, you know why they're blind? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse uh, the Bible says, uh, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. That goes back to our first point. Maybe they're not saved. But sometimes I'll tell you what, if you don't believe the truth, the devil will give you a lie. That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You don't want the truth? The Lord might give you one, two, three. I don't know how many. I'm sure glad God's a God of second chances. You know that by Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. And the Lord came to Jonah the second time. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Amen. But let me just face it like this. The devil's blinded some of the preachers today. Now I'm not saying every preacher is blind. But you just have to be aware of them. You can't be deceived by them. You got to check them out. And uh, he, they are blind because they're unsaved. They're blind because they don't want to see. They're blind because Satan's blind of their minds. And how about this in Isaiah 44, 18? I'll say this. They're blind because God shut the lights off on them. Isaiah 44, 8. They're blind because God shut their eyes. Now, everyone talks about God as if they actually know what they're talking about. A lot of people don't. They say, oh, you know, God's a God of love. Yeah, he is a God of love. He's a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And if you don't want what he's offering, he'll let you go to hell. He will. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 44. 
I'd rather know the truth about a matter than be fooled with a lie. Isaiah 44 and verse 18. The Bible says here, For he hath shut their eyes, about the middle of the passage, for he hath shut their eyes that they cannot see. And you know in that passage why he shut their eyes? Because they would rather have their idols. Ain't that something? You got to be aware of that 21st century watching. You got to aware of these modern day preachers and pastors. I'm telling you what, they'll fool you. God shut their eyes. You say, why? Oh, they'd rather have notoriety. They'd rather have, they'd rather have a great salary. They'd rather have a great uh, congregation that lavishes affection on them. They'd rather have all the ins and outs with the community. So God says, you want that? You want your idols? Off go the lights. You got to beware of that 21st century watchman because the Bible says they're blind. He says, my watchmen are blind. Now, not all of them, amen, but a good number of them are. And you can, uh, you, can, you can sniff them out pretty easy. Let me give you the second one back in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 10. Not only are they blind, but you know what the Lord says about his own watchmen? He says they're ignorant. <laughs> verse 10, Isaiah 56, verse 10, the Bible says they are all ignorant. Now, some people think the word ignorant means stupid, but they're not. They're worlds apart. You know what the word ignorant means? It just means they're untaught. You know, when it comes to uh, crocheting, I am untaught. <laughs> when it comes to playing the saxophone, I am completely untaught. I probably couldn't even make a noise out of that. You know, there's a special way you got to, you know, to, to even make a noise out of that thing. So you can say, well, your preacher, when it comes to the saxophone, he is ignorant. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you're untaught. But not only that, it means uninformed, destitute of knowledge. Now, ignorant. Now, uh, you've got to be aware of the 21st century watchmen, the preachers of the day, because they're ignorant, and they, they show themselves pretty quick. And notice this, they're ignorant of God's righteousness. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. You say, why? Because they're trying to get the people in town to try to chase down their own righteousness. You have any idea how many churches? Now, we're not straightening pictures. We're preaching a message about 21st century watchmen. But in this community alone, you're running at least 75 to 80% of the churches in this community that are teaching you salvation by good works or baptism. Does that not concern you? You say, well, you think you're the only one that has the truth. No, I never said that. Unless it's a fundamental Bible-believing church or an old-time Methodist that haven't kicked out the old people yet, unless it's those two right there, or an old-timey Presbyterian that hasn't gone completely stale as crackers in the attic for 100 years, you're going to get some kind of works-based salvation or a baptismal regeneration fix. They're ignorant. I didn't say they wanted to learn, but they're untaught. Yes, they've had, uh, they've had access to the same Bible that you and I have had for ever since it came out and ever since they've been alive, but they are ignorant. Not only are they ignorant of God's righteousness, but how about this? They're ignorant of the Bible itself. You realize it only takes about five minutes of a conversation with someone to see where they're at with the Word of God. You get to see whether they're hung up on catechisms or they're hung up on uh, you know, covenant theology or whether they're hung up on the church fathers. We're talking about preachers of today. You say, well, I might never ever run into them. Well, good. If you do, you'll sniff them out real quick, and you'll think to yourself, boy, they sure are ignorant. Imagine getting up and listening to a guy who's not even sure of his own salvation. What in the world could he do to you? What could he do for you? 
If he's not even sure where he goes, how in the world could he even help you? Like, bro, you need help yourself, man. <laughs> well, they're ignorant. Here, you ever stop and think, uh, this, is a, this is a statistic that came out about 24 years ago. It said, once out of school, nearly 60% of all adult Americans will never read a book again. <laughs> Unless it's Facebook. If that's, you say, what are you saying that? They're ignorant. Now, you know what you expect? You expect your preacher to go home this week and study. And I expect I'll go home this week and study too, amen? But that's what you expect. You imagine sitting down and me getting up and go, well, it's good to see you all. Uh, really not sure. And, and you, you, I'll tell you what, you go to some of these circles and we've had the privilege. I think it was a privilege. Maybe it wasn't so much a privilege. And you'll hear them. They'll get up like this. Well, I, I really don't know I'm going to preach today. Translation, I'm a preacher, but I didn't want to put time into study. And so they get they do, and they start talking about this. And remember when Betty Lou ran the aisle, and Grandma threw her hat over here, and Uncle Leroy decided to do the Holy Ghost jig, and they try to work up a feeling, and they try to get something going. Why? Ignorant. Ignorant. We're not saying that everyone has to be a Tertullus and have the ability to, you know, jive with every subject ever written to man, but you've got to beware of that 21st century watchman because they're blind and they're ignorant. They're untaught. And if they're untaught, how are they going to teach you and me? How's the next preacher of Bible Believers Baptist Church ever going to don this pulpit and teach anyone a cotton-picking thing if he don't sit down and put his hind end in a chair and study that book? You've got to beware of the 21st century watchman. Not only that, now they're blind, they're ignorant. It gets a little bit better in verse 10. Look what the Bible says, they're dogs. Matter of fact, the Bible says they're dumb dogs. <laughs> I don't know if you ever have a dog, you ever call him a dumb dog, right? Now, the context in this is, has something to do with how they talk. Isn't that interesting? The Lord, you know that Bible uh, talks about a dog? You know what a dog is? Take your Bible, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I knew some of you know this, but I'll show you. When he's talking, he's talking about the watchmen, the pastors, and the ones that love the Lord and are doing it the right way are the right shepherds, right? But the ones that are not right... The ones that are doing it wrong, they're dogs. 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, in the New Testament, a dog is a type and picture of a male false prophet or a male false teacher. That's 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, if you look at verse 1, talks about a dog. 2 Peter chapter 2. Bible says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets. That's the context. Chapter 2 starts out. Now look at verse 22. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own what? Vomit again. There's a beautiful picture from the King James Bible. <laughs> Amen. And the sow that was washed for her wallowing in the mire, so the Holy Spirit teaches you and I, that male false prophets and teachers are referred to as dogs, and female false preachers and teachers are referred to as pigs. Now, that's the language of the King James Bible. If you're a man, you're a dog. If you're a woman false teacher, you're a sow. Ain't that something? And they're dumb. The Bible calls them dumb dogs. Now, that's strong language, isn't it? Uh, by all means, our... Uh, our, our uh, 
our PC generation would call that cruel, crude, right? Uh, you, you know, unless you're old school, you don't even let your kids call somebody stupid or dumb, right? You don't do it. But let me tell you what the Lord sure does. And he calls it just like he sees it. I notice this, uh, these dumb dogs back in verse 10. I want you to notice this. They can't bark. <laughs> now this is, this is very instructive. In verse 10, that Bible says, Isaiah 56, 10, these dumb dogs, they can't bark. Let me tell you what, if you bought a watchdog, right? A watchdog, is that what these call them? And, and uh, you bought a dog instead of an, uh, a, uh, what do you call it, a doorbell? And that thing, and that dog let someone rob you, and he just looked at you know? You'd shoot that thing is what you'd do. You'd wait till everyone's gone. It ain't worth the money to powder and shot to blow you to New Jerusalem, amen? But that Bible says these dumb dogs, these watchmen, these pastors, these preachers, they're some, so dumb they won't even bark. Ain't that something? You know, the, the dog is like a false prophet, but he's also like a preacher. You say, why? Because the right preacher, his preaching, should have a bit of a bark to it. Now, not all the time, but I'm telling you what, the right type of preaching should have a bark to it. Uh, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, you know what the Lord told Isaiah? He said, you lift up your voice like a trumpet, and you declare to my people their sins. Let me tell you what, you can't always do it like this. Every once in a while, you've got to expand the volume scene a little bit and say, thus saith the Lord. Not all the time, you blow everyone's eardrums out, and they want to hear it all the time anyways, amen. But the right type of preacher should have some bark to it. I'll say this, the right type of preaching should have a little bit of bite to it also. It should. Now, not always. I mean, you shouldn't be every, every time you're coming, you know, you're covering your backside and you're lifting your feet up because you think the preacher's going to bite your britches off or something. But the right type of preaching should have a bite to it. Think about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter is preaching one of the greatest messages in the New Testament. Amen. Now the Bible says in Acts 2.37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. You say, why? The right type of preaching has a bite to it. And when the right type of preaching goes out, it pricks your heart. You see that? Further on in Acts chapter 5, verse 33, Peter's preaching again, and he just, I don't know, he's shelling the corn, right? And you know the Bible says in Acts chapter 5, verse 33, when they heard, the, heard it, they were cut to the heart. You go from a prick to a cut, cut to the heart. Acts chapter 7, verse 54, Stephen's up there and he is schooling the religious leaders on what they'd done wrong and how they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You say, why? He wasn't a dumb dog. He had some bite in the preach, amen? And not all the time, but the right type of preaching should have some bark to it, and the right type of preaching should have some bite to it. And if I'm going to sit and listen to preaching, it doesn't have to always bark and bite, but every once in a while it should. Why? Because you need to beware of that 21st century watchman who's always looking for your best now. You see what I mean? There's no bite in that. There's no bark in that. It's all ignorant stuff. Bunch of bunch of drizzle is what it is. Now they're dumb dogs. Not only that, but in verse 10, the Bible says they're sleeping dogs. There ain't nothing wrong with a good nap, amen. There ain't nothing wrong with getting good night's rest. If you can do it, praise the Lord, more power to you and pass the chicken. But that Bible says in verse 10 that they're sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. 
You know, it tells me about the modern day 21st century watch. I'm not just straightening pictures. I'm trying to help you understand in a passage of Scripture what you have to watch for in preaching. Listen, I'm not naive enough to think that I'm the only preacher that you all listen to. Matter of fact, I know most of the preachers that you listen to, and they're, they're my friends, all right? But beyond that, you're going to listen to other preaching, but you've got to be careful that you're listening to the right watchman. Not only will you give account, but if you get tied up and caught up in that mess, it'll take you out of here. Take you out of from serving God. But the Bible says that they're, they love to sleep. They're sleeping dogs. But I say they're lazy. They're slothful. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 14, the Bible says, As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. You say, why do you think he's lazy? Well, if he's sleeping, he's probably sleeping when he shouldn't be. And you take your Bible, you go to 2, what is it, 2 Timothy 2.15, he's not studying that book. And if you don't study that book, you can't give your people what they need. I can't go off personality. Personality might give me one or two messages, and then they'd be shallow at best. But if I don't get in that book and I don't study, I won't be able to feed the flock of God, 1 Peter 5, 2, which is my calling. But they're sleeping dogs and they're lazy, they're slothful, they don't study. 2 Timothy 2, 15, he's not a workman. It takes work to study the Bible. It takes work to prepare messages. It takes work to do what God calls you to do in his businesses, programs, and ministries, and community organizations. Now, there might be a day where we can do more than what we do now, but let me tell you what, the number one priority is to feed the flock of God which is among you. This is, this is the ministry of this local church right here. And you know what I know about this? Sheep that are fed, they get sick less likely, they're less likely to get sick, and they're less likely to butt other sheep out of the fold, and they're less likely to get cantankerous if you get a good meal in your belly. Because once you get a good meal, then you can go get home and get some rest. Well, he doesn't study. He's not a workman. In verse 2 Timothy 2.15, he doesn't rightly divide. He's lazy. You know what the lazy 21st century watchman does? Listen to me now. You might think I'm just trying to run a text. You're right, I am, but I'm trying to show you from the Word of God. A lazy watchman, when he doesn't have nothing to preach, will open up to Matthew chapter 5 and try to pretend like he knows what he's talking about. You got to study. And then when you don't study, you get lazy. You just, well, I think I'll just preach, blessed are they, and blessed are they, and blessed are ye, and blessed are me. And you know what that is? That's the last part. You don't rightly divide. And you start putting blessings on people they got no business getting blessed with because that thing's to the Jew and the millennium. You see what I mean? And you don't rightly divide. And my good friend, Dr. David Walker, he says this where a man will not rightly divide, he will always wrongly unite. And you got to remember that. You see, this book is designed to bless you, Christian. But if you don't study it, this book is designed to damn you. And that's not a swear word. That's the honest God truth of the King James Bible. If you refuse to read it, and if you refuse to study it, and if you reject its light, it becomes lightning. You've got to beware of the 21st century watchmen. Are not only are they lazy, not only are they dumb dogs, ignorant dogs, but how about they're greedy dogs in verse 11. Bible says in verse 11, which can never have enough. He's talking about his own pastors. He's talking about his own shepherds to his own people. 
Man, I'm telling you what, the Lord is saying a mouthful about the people that are religious leaders amongst his own people that he chose. Remember, they're the apple of his eye. You realize that God, the Bible says, I'm trying to remember, it's in the book of Exodus somewhere, and I can't remember the exact verse, but that shows you that God put a difference between the children of Israel and the Egyptians. You want to know who's superior? It's not this white Aryan goofiness. It's not the, the white theory and white supremacy. It's, it's Zion supremacy. God put a difference between that Jew and every Gentile out there. You got to understand that stuff. But they're greedy dogs in verse 11, which can never have enough. I notice this. I say this about the 21st century watchmen. They're in it for the income, not for the outcome. They're in it for the income, not for the outcome. Verse 11 says, can never have enough. To the 21st century watchmen, the preachers of today, you know what most of this church stuff is? It's a career move. Let me tell you what, I say this, and I'll laugh when I say it, but I mean it. If I chose this church if, as a career move, that'd be the worst decision you could ever imagine. Somebody say amen. Help me out. Thank you. I need help. <laughs> this is not a good career move. You know what this is? This is a calling. This is not a career. Amen. That's why when I don't feel good, I'll preach. And that's why when you don't feel good, you'll do what you have to do concerning your calling. Because that's what God called you to do. It's not a career move, but the 21st century, he goes into the ministry because, oh, my benefits might be taken care of, or, oh, maybe I've got a 401k connected to it, and, oh, maybe it's a step up to the east side. He's in it for the income, not the outcome. Notice this, the reasoning for this is filthy lucre. Look at Titus chapter 1 for a minute. A lot of familiar passages, no doubt, that connect things that you already know together. But the 21st century watchman, uh, he's in it for the income, not for the outcome, and that's because he's after filthy lucre. In other words, he's got to have money. And when, you, can, when a, you see a man in love with money, you know he usually has a problem with morals. Titus chapter 1. Now this is the qualification for a preacher. Everybody should be familiar with it. Not just familiar with it, but the preacher should be, a, should be qualified. Aren't you glad there's qualifications in the Bible on a preacher, on a pastor? I didn't just say that so you agree with me. I mean, isn't it a good thing? You see all in the Old Testament where some of these kings, they would uh, they'd get into power, and the Bible said they would take the basest of men and put them into the priesthood. Let me tell you what, I'm no superstar as an individual, but there's qualifications for the ministry for these watchmen. And if you don't make sure and hold their feet to the fire, next thing you know, uh, you'll, you'll have, a, you'll have a, a bad situation on your hands. Look here, verse 7, the Bible says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. Remember that word later. Not soon angry, uh, not given to wine, no striker. He can't be going around beating everybody up. Can't be punching everybody in the nose. That's not the kind of preacher you want. You really, you want a preacher that someone can almost spit in his face and he'd be like, uh, love you in the name of the Lord, you know, hate you in the flesh, you know. Uh, not given to what? There it is, filthy lucre. That's after the almighty dollar. 
Now you get yourself, uh, you get one of these guys, and he's just got to, uh, you, know, you know, you send me $100, and I'll, the Lord will send you 10000 as long as I can get my jet. You've heard that. We all laugh, but it's garbage is what it is. They're greedy. Greedy, man. Filthy lucre. Their reasoning is filthy lucre, but can I show you the reality real quick? Look, it's always somewhat easy to poke fun and to criticize those who are blatant hypocrites. But let me show you the reality and the requirement of the New Testament minister. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, if you believe you should pay your preacher, say amen. All right, now look what Paul did. I didn't say that to get an offering. Now, notice this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9, And when I was present with you, he started the church there, and wanted... I was chargeable to no man. He started the church, he got it going, and he stayed with them for over a year. I was chargeable to no man for that which was lacking to me, the brother, uh, me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied, and in all things. Here it is, you need to get a hold of this. I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. But shouldn't a preacher get a paycheck? Sure he should. But you know what the, the reality is? That a 21st century watchman, a true preacher, he shouldn't be a burden to his people. Ever. And if that preacher has an opportunity to make money and feed the flock, he better go make a buck. You say, why? It'll help him. It'll help him minister to people. He'll help them understand what it's like when they get up on Monday morning to that not-so-friendly alarm clock. I'm telling you, that they're preachers. They ain't worked a job in 50, 60 years, and they're going to go minister to me? Maybe so. But let me tell you what, I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling about 11 o'clock on Monday morning. Well, that's the reality. He says, I've kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and I'm not preaching this, telling you I'm doing everything right. I'm saying you have to beware of the 21st century watchman. You're going to run across some, some of these uh, fellows on television. And you've got to remember this. If that fellow's on television, unless it's a private channel, unless it's on grandma's homemade videos, unless it's something you pre-recorded off of something you downloaded, he ain't going to be worth shooting sideways. Because the devil, who is the god of forces, who is the prince and power of the air, is not going to let a Bible-believing preacher get on his airwaves and broadcast the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not going to happen. Well, not only that, they're in it for the income, not for the outcome. In verse 11, they're all about themselves. That's one of the number one characteristics of these dogs. Verse 11 says, Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way. You see it? There it is, all about themselves. That's the selfie generation. Everyone for his gain. You see it? Now notice this in verse 11, they're self-willed. They're self-willed. The Bible says in verse 11, they're after their own way. You know what a real preacher is supposed to do? He's supposed to lift up Jesus Christ, number one, because the Bible says, if I be lifted, Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. So a preacher's job is to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and also lift up that book, holding forth the word of life, and then get out of the way. We said this this morning, the reason it's a terrible thing in the 21st century. There are so many stars 
and there are so many superstars in the local church that shine so bright that Jesus Christ can never be seen. You've got to beware of that. They're self-willed, not all that in verse 11, they're self-motivated. Self-motivated. Verse 11 says they're after it for their own gain. They have, a, they have ulterior motives. You say, well, what about your retirement? I honestly can tell you I have no clue about retirement. <laughs> and the way it's looking, I don't think y'all are going to be able to retire at 65 either. <laughs> so pff, there you go. <laughs> we'll all be old and in our 70s and hoping that there's a dime or two left in Social Security. Amen? <clears throat> But these, these dogs, these greedy, dumb dogs, these preachers that got, don't even have enough brains to be dangerous, they're self-willed. They're greedy of their own gain. They're self-motivated. How about this in verse 11? They're scholastically driven. I want you to notice this. Holy Spirit showed me this, and I'm not trying to be Pentecostal when I say this. When you read the Bible, the Lord show you things. Holy Spirit's the author of Scripture. You know that from our study about the Holy Spirit. They're scholastically driven. That Bible says in verse 11, they're all from their own quarter. You see that? Their own quarter. That's a religious term. That's a religious term like New Orleans has their own quarters. That's Catholic terminology. That has to do with schooling. And all these preachers and teachers in the 21st century, you know what they're more interested I see these days? They're interested in getting the little boys and girls group in the fundamental Baptist churches and getting them to rob all your little youngins and take them out of here and take them down to the sunny beaches and take them away from the local church and so they can marry Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or whoever halfway in the middle possibly maybe and just so they show themselves not a queer or something like that. And next thing you know, the local church is right around here that God uses have no young people because the churches were in a hurry to kick them out the door. You do what you want. I've seen people use their families like factories. As soon as they pump out another one in the name of Jesus, of course, thinking their job is Genesis chapter 9 to replenish and multiply and all that stuff uh, the, the, over the face of the earth, as soon as they graduate, they kick them off to some uh, Bible college. You better be careful about that stuff. You better be careful. That's what God wants for them. You kick them out the door hoping they do, uh, you know, meet Mr. Wright and, and Mrs. Wright. You may never see them again. You got to be aware of that 21st century. He's scholastically driven, scholastically driven from his own quarter. Finally here, it's just a little sugar stick message. We're doing all right tonight. They're addicted to the wrong things. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, Come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. I want you to notice, first of all, in this verse here, they have the wrong filling. They have the wrong filling. You know the verse in Ephesians chapter 5, 18. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The wrong filling. These uh, these uh, dumb, greedy, ignorant dogs, these 21st century watchmen, they have the wrong filling. You and I are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, what are they filled with? I have no idea, man, but it's the wrong filling. Let me tell you what, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then that means an unholy spirit is running you. You ever stop and think about that? And if a preacher is too lazy to study and he's too lazy to read the Bible and he's self-willed and he's ignorant and he won't bark when he preaches and he won't ever have a bite to his preach, you see where I'm going? He's going to have the wrong filling. 
God never intended people to come to a church house and listen to a man that had absolutely nothing to say. You say, you must think a lot about yourself. No, don't get the wrong picture. I'm just saying God never intended for you to take your time and drive from as far as you drove from tonight and burn all that gas and take time away. You could be doing something else for a man to get up and say nothing at all. God expects his watchmen to be stewards of their time and to deliver the goods. They have the wrong filling, and not only that, they have the wrong focus in verse 12. Notice he says, and tomorrow shall be as this. You see, he's got no vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. You know what this watchman is doing? He's like, hey, come on over. We'll have the Lord's Supper. Wink, wink, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Wink, wink. You know, everyone's throwing the money in the pot here, and we're have a good time, and we're going to have a couple of church dinners, and we're going to have a couple of get-togethers, and we're just going to do it again, and it's going to be our special pie, pie night, and then our special praise night, and then our special ice cream night, and then it's our special this night. And look, I'm not against doing stuff with the church. I love it. But we're not going to base everything we do around messing around. You see what I mean? They had the wrong focus. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking... Unto Jesus, the author and finish, finisher of our faith. You know, the 21st century eyesman, a watchman needs to have his eyes on the Lord. Trying to help you tonight. He's supposed to have his eyes on the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's supposed to have our eyes on the Lord, and the pressure should always be on the prize. Never one another. You see, if your eyes are on the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe it's not until you get your eyes upon Jesus Christ that you can actually put the right pressure in the right place. And you know what I'm talking about. In life, there's so much pressure. There's pressure coming from the job. There's pressure coming from each other. If you're married, there's pressure coming from family, this family, that family. And it just becomes this deluge of attacks trying to figure out which pressure I should succumb to and which, what should I take the time. And Paul says, looking unto Jesus. And until you look unto Jesus, you can't press. You can't put the right pressure on the right things. And that's, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it's the wrong focus for this 21st century minister his focus is on what he's doing right now, and he's going to repeat it tomorrow. And Paul says, your eyes need to be up on the Lord, and you need to be putting pressure on the judgment seat of Christ. You need to be looking at the judgment seat of Christ. And if a preacher won't put you in front of Jesus Christ and the judgment seat of Christ, that's a wrong guy to listen to. Well, finally, not only have the wrong feeling, the wrong focus, they have the wrong fervency. And I'm done here, just a couple of verses. Verse 12 says, and much more abundant. Not only are we going to live it up, and we're going to party like it's 1995, we're going to do it again tomorrow, and much more abundant. Yes! <laughs> He's got the wrong fervency, doesn't he? He, just, he wants to just make it like it ain't and do much more of the same thing, kind of like being on the treadmill to oblivion. You're going nowhere fast. Amen? It's like I told my family I lost my balance at the mall the other day. And I fell down the escalator for two hours. Just kidding. Thank you. It was even better the second time. Amen? Yeah. 
Let me tell you real quick about the right fervency for the 21st century minister. The 21st century uh, watchman, the right fervency is given to prayer. Given to prayer. You know what they say there in Acts chapter 6 and verse 4? The first uh, preachers of the New Testament church, they say this, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer. The right fervency is on prayer. The right fervency is given to the word. He says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the word. You say, why the word? Because that's the only way we can feed the flock of God. I can't feed it with Time magazine. I can't feed it with outdoor life. I can't. I don't even know what magazines they have these days. When I was a kid, it was like Sports Illustrated, uh, Outdoor Life, and whatever. I mean, whatever else was coming through for free. You know what I mean? But all that stuff is right here. A flip of a thumb. The right fervency is given to the word because that's by which they feed the flock. And finally, the right fervency is given to good works. Not to be saved, but because you are saved, you get to do it. The right fervency is given to good works. In 1 Corinthians 6.15, you learn that they, there is a group of individuals that had addicted themselves to the ministry. Now, everybody here knows what addicted means. Addiction, they know what that is. And some of you may have struggled with it. And some of you have family members that have struggled with addiction. But you know why the Lord gave that watchman, that preacher, that pastor... He gave it to be given to good works in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. One of the reasons, it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You know why God called me here to preach? He called me here to preach, to feed the flock of God, not further a kingdom, not make a name for myself. I'm sure there's one already out there. We don't care about that. Amen. I'll tell you what, you don't believe what you hear about me. I won't believe what they say about you. Call it even. Amen. But the Lord put me here to feed the flock for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. I believe the Lord looked down whenever he decided to pull the trigger. and I don't know, I might have been in his sniper scope too, but he said, there's a horse that I think will work. And he put me here to work. That's what a 21st century minister is supposed to be doing. That 21st century watchman, he's supposed to be a worker. He's supposed to be willing to work. He works as if God will do it all, but he works as if it all depends upon him. That's not the 21st century minister that we see. And I'm not the poster child either. But you need to beware. So as we close, hopefully this is just a helpful message, understanding that the 21st century watchman is an animal that you're going to have to watch out for and beware of. Amen. Nothing like a good warning to the church of God. Not every preacher is a flop. I'm going to say it again. Not every preacher is a flop, but there's a bunch of them you better be careful of. And the only way you're going to be able to be careful of that 21st century watchman is to judge them as God told you to by knowing that book. And if you don't get in that book and you don't read that book, you won't be able to tell whether they're fooling you or not. Let me tell you what. You, take, you give me a Christian that knows their Bible, they cannot be fooled. But a Christian that won't read the Bible, won't, read, won't study the Bible, they'll fall for anything. Beware of the 21st century watchman, Christian. The key today is to check the watchman out by the book. And that means you're going to have to know the book. Now, if a preacher goes by the book, the Lord will bless him in the end. It might take a while, but the Lord will bless him for the sticking by the stuff and going by the book.
And if he goes by the book, then get behind the preacher and follow the man and put your weight behind the man and become a fellow laborer with that watchman. But if he's not right by the book, you might get a good laugh or two out of it. I get a couple good laughs when I turn on the old TV, TVN network. And then I'm like, all right, you bunch of phonies, I'm done with you. And I turn it off. But you just have to beware. But if a man is not right by the book, you better get away from that fellow and find you a man you can get into the saddle with. All right, church, that's the warning I had today. Beware of the 21st century watchman. Why don't you stand? We'll be dismissed.